There is a common mis reoccurring misunderstanding that I keep seeing. I've seen it quite often uh, here recently. This kind of stems from the podcast I did in response to Alan Parr's video on false teachers. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, I would suggest that you go listen to that first before you listen to this because you're not going to have any idea what I'm talking about. But I did a podcast response into a video that a popular YouTuber, Alan Parr, a Christian YouTuber that Alan Parr, he's a, um, a very uh, big platform that he has. Uh, his channel is called The Beat. Um, but uh, I go into him a little bit more in that podcast but this is sort of in response to this because ultimately his point with this was that you need to be able as a believer you need to be able to discern for yourself what is true and what is false and so he was kind of putting this out there insinuating as you believer you figure out what's true and what's false. The problem is, is that's extremely dangerous to say. And this is kind of the, well, this is the whole problem with this. And this is the whole point. The whole point with this, and it's walking a fine line in between, in between being the Roman Catholic Church and you know some sort of other dogmatic religious you know pharisaic uh group whatever they may be it's it's very it's it's a it's a line that you you know we we need to stay away from but if we focus on what the bible says we understand that yes believer one who is not a teacher you need a shepherd. You need to be shepherded. You need to be discipled. That's what the Great Commission is about, is it's about making disciples, not forcing the nations to obey Christ, but it's about discipling people. And this is a serious deficiency that we have in the church. That's why this ministry exists, period. I would not be here if it would not be for the deficiency in the church. Because that's, that's what this particular ministry is about. We are a supplement. Because the church largely doesn't disciple. They throw you this milky gospel sort of gospel message and they go good luck go go talk about jesus and you leave a bunch of people having no idea what any of this means you're telling them to go read their bible i have been guilty of this i have in the past i have been guilty a little bit because you know you don't you you have these people that will not they refuse to go and read the bible for themselves they will just listen to whatever teacher they are under and they will they will just parrot what this teacher is saying so 
you know, I, 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 that's why, I, you know, I've said this before. It's like, no, you need to be able to go and read your Bible. However, this go read your Bible has turned into you don't need no man, which is true in a sense. You don't need no man telling you what scripture says. And there's an element of that that's true, but largely that's completely false. And it's completely false in scripture. It, it, we, we go to scripture for everything. And if we don't go there first, then our argument is completely invalid. So if you go to Ephesians 4, I got it pulled up right now. I'll, I'll read it here. So Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. I won't read all 11 through 16. But in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, Paul says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So God gave some people the ability. Some people have this spiritual gift of being a shepherd or a teacher. Okay, this is, this is a, a noble task, as we'll talk about in a minute. But in verse 12, for what reason did he give these? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So he gave teachers and shepherds to equip believers... To build up the body of Christ. And then in verse 13, he says, until, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ. So, it's imperative that you are under some sort of shepherd, a teacher, pastor, that's biblically sound. So this goes against, all, I mean, already we're, we're starting to unravel the argument of saying that we don't need no, well, first of all, they were given for this specific purpose. Why in verse 14? So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves. So you may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, every teaching you hear, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So we may no longer be children tossed to and fro. It's what these teachers were given for. And to build up and to teach. This is the truth passed down. In Jude, verse 3, he dedicates his whole letter to warning about false teachers, but more about that later. 
at the end of verse 3, he mentions the faith that was once delivered to the saints. So this faith was passed down from the apostles to the churches. The churches built up these teachers and, and different people and different parts of the body of Christ for, for teaching and growing the body. The whole point, though, of this being handed down, there's stuff here that's very difficult to understand and to reconcile. And it can be extremely, rec- it can be extremely reckless for you to do this on your own. Think about it like this. Think about it like playing flight simulator on your computer. You've maybe played flight simulator. You have two hours of flying time, right? You can take off and land. It would be extremely dangerous for you to go down to the airport and climb into an airplane and think that you could fly that thing. We literally would do this with any other topic any topic period we can't just watch a video and then just go drive on the interstate we have to go through driving school like we this is it's it's elementary it's an elementary principle that we have completely lost in the church well yes except for scripture because men is going to twist that i don't know why everybody's Southern that I that I I, I mention I, I guess that's because I'm in the South but you know it's it's extremely important for us to understand that this is absolutely something that you need to be helped through it's not something that you can do on your own. Every single teacher that you have should follow biblical instruction given in First and Second Timothy, in Titus specifically. I mean, look at this. These, I mean, these, these words here in Titus chapter 1. They are, Paul is writing to elders, to pastors of the church. He's not writing to individual believers. There's truth in here that you can pull out for you, individual believer. But these instructions here, which they're the same for every every believer but obviously a teacher is held to a higher standard i believe that the book of james is very clear in that i think that all of paul's letters peter i think this is very very clear that they are held to a higher standard so much so that he has specific instructions in verse 5 of titus 1 he says this is why i left you in crete speaking of titus so that you might put whatever remained into order 
and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. That's weird. What, what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you? If anyone is above reproach, in verse 6, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward, God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant, quick-tempered, drunkard, violent, greedy for gain. Okay, so there you go. A teacher must be above reproach, not be arrogant, quick-tempered, drunkard, violent, or greedy for gain. Now, many people mistake biblical truth for arrogance because it's written bluntly and it's written directly in your face. So don't mistake that type of arrogance for a Stephen Furtick type arrogance or a Carl Lentz, not that he's even relevant anymore, but when he was, type of arrogance. Any teacher, I mean, they're, they're, they're a dime a dozen. I wouldn't say... I mentioned Alan earlier in the podcast. Alan's not arrogant. I mean, there's there's good teachers out there that you can tell they're not arrogant. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, Spencer Smith, who I I love Spencer as a brother, and I um, I fully support his channel and and love his work. He comes off to many people as arrogant, but he is the furthest thing from it. He really is. He's passionate about biblical truth, and he, he has the right mix of just sarcasm and just, you know, he's got a lot of, of attributes to think of the Apostle Paul. And I think that's what we all strive to be because there's a certain amount of just, oh, my gosh, shut up and listen, people to this there is hey, Paul said this that's the one thing that I agreed with another pastor that I was watching actually for a different reason earlier this week yeah I mean he was talking about how uh, Paul's language was harsh it was very very harsh as was the Lord's in, in many parts of the Old Testament if not downright abusive Seemingly, seemingly, but it was harsh and they, you know, I mean, if you, you were to look at that on the outside, you would say, oh, they're arrogant. You know, if that was your everyday modern day Christian, you'd be like, that's not very Christ-like Christ, not being very Christ-like. Don't mistake that. Okay, this is this is different from the type of arrogance of that we hear in sermons that say I I I 
you, 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 bless, 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 all these types of words as opposed to, yeah, you are a sinner. You're a wretch that does not deserve salvation. What makes you think that you can approach the throne room of God just boldly and don't have to have any sort of respect or repentance or anything? Like, who do you think you are? Paul says straight up in 1 Corinthians 15 that it's you type of people that make a complete mockery of communion of the church. Because you just live like a, the world and then you come to church on Sunday and then you want to sit and drink the cup of the Lord. Like who, like, who do you think you are? But continuing back for teachers and mind you a good teacher is going to know his place good teacher is going to sound a lot like paul does in romans 7 he's going to tell you that he's a sinner too sometimes worse than all of you but he knows that and that's not his standard and you absolutely have to be above reproach so there's certain things we cannot do Sorry, Ravi Zacharias lovers, you can't rape women and spiritually abuse them and be saved or considered a solid, sound, biblical teacher. And then he gives what we must be in verse 8 but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. He was taught something. Your shepherd, your teacher, your pet, whatever. He was taught the word of truth. This is passed down. This is a, this is almost what we see. I think God gave us a preview of in the Old Testament before the Hebrews even knew how to write or read. They had the oral Torah, all of these things memorized. Can you imagine memorizing the whole Old Testament, what you had, or at least the first, the, the Torah, word for word, I mean, and being able to just spout it off like that. This is the truth that was passed down. This is the same truth that the apostles gave that are, that, that they're, they had passed on to the church. This truth still exists. And it, it, it is what is going to end up and, and not in some sort of revival way, but the truth will come to light and continue to be exposed, as, as John says in First John. But in verse 9, in the end of it, 
so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. So a shepherd and a teacher's job, he must hold firm to this truth that he was taught. He must be able to give instruction in these sound doctrines and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Anybody who's calling out a false teacher should be giving you truth. What is true? You know, this is a, a comment. I don't need to say where this is from, but I'm going to read a comment um, that I came across. Okay, it says, All I see is everyone calling everyone a false teacher, and they never give any advice on who is grounded in the word. Well, how about this? How about you listen to what they're saying? Because if they're a good teacher, they should be giving you truth. They should be saying, listen, this is why this person is wrong. So then they should be giving you the truth. And then when you hear the truth, you take that truth and you listen for that. It's not that difficult. It takes work on your part. The problem is, is there is men working here and there is men working hard. There's men working hard defending the truth that was passed down, especially in the world that we live in today. It doesn't matter if you think that we're being mean, not loving, divisive. I've heard it all. It's been, it's been thrown in my face everywhere. You have no idea what my intentions are, what I'm doing. You're a fool. You're a biblically ignorant fool. I love you. And I'm ready to move on. No, that's not. You know, I, I heard somebody call somebody out is in the same same way, same topic as um, ingenuous. And no, 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 no. You really misunderstood this person. This person loves you. They're speaking plainly, boldly, and bluntly. And you're getting offended. Stop getting offended and listen. Stop being some little Nancy snowflake that wants to cry over everything. Everything is not going to come to you nicely. Especially with the serious issues that we are dealing with in the church today. No amount of false teaching is okay in our doctrines. This seeker-sensitive movement that all we want to talk about is good things and we don't want to talk about reality and sin and repentance and all those, all those things that we need, that's false. The problem is, is not in what you're hearing. Sure, there may be some. I, I know. I, here, I'll give you some discernment, quote-unquote discernment ministries that you want to stay away from. Number one, service Christi. Number two, Stephen Anderson. Anything with Stephen Anderson. 
Jeff Durbin in Apologia Studios. Yes, I put Jeff on that list. Let me explain real quick for those of you still listening why I put Jeff on that list. Because Jeff and his co-host from a podcast last week on Right Response Ministries literally said anybody that holds to a dispensational premillennial view is absolutely not fulfilling the great commission in preaching the true gospel because that viewpoint doesn't coexist with the cultural change that's needed. Really? That is an absolute, that, that's, you, you've stepped over the line at this point. You're not a discernment ministry, you're a slander ministry when you say that. I would not, I have never, and if I ever have, if I ever have, I would have to ask for forgiveness if I have ever said something like that about Jeff or post-millennialism or anything like that. Definitely, post-millennialism is absolutely a heretical teaching. Covenant theology, replacement theology, this is absolute heresy. No way of getting around it. However, there is a biblical way to exegete those passages or to interpret those passages that would be still considered within the realm of orthodoxy of Christianity. So I acknowledge that. And that's why I would never, ever say that the work that he's doing, that he's not preaching the gospel. Well, no, no, he does. He's very, very wrong with eschatology, and now it's to the point where it's come to slander and presuppositions, um, misrepresentations. This is something that, unfortunately, he has been very popular at. This is not a, a new uh, accusation from him. If you guys are familiar with Tim from the, the Bible-thumping wingnut, yeah, you can hear everything that happened with there. They, secret, he re, they secretly recorded a conversation there. And then they've been going back and forth like little girls for the past while now. And it's no, no fault of Tim's, but it's like, really? I mean, come on. You're not, a, you're, you're not fighting for truth. You're trying to slander. And, and your ministry has, is, that started off maybe as a former discernment ministry has gone south. More on that in another podcast. But these are, and more or less, I, I wouldn't, I, I'm not putting, and I know my haters and, and people are going to get mad at me, are going to think that I'm putting, necessarily putting Durbin on the same level as I would, you know, Service Christie or something like that. And no, no, I'm not. He's not on the same, same level, but he's on the same list especially when you misrepresent people, you have very sketchy, questionable practices. You know, I mean, so these are the types of things, flock, that you need to stay away from. 
that's slander. That's not, I'm not, I'm not trying to purposely misrepresent anybody here. I mean, speaking for myself, I'm not purposely trying to misrepresent anybody for right now. Um, I'm, I, I am breaking. I gave a bold claim about that, but I am working on a, a podcast of answering to that because I have an absolute call out and rebuke to Jeff Durbin and post-millennialism, period. Um, because it's, it, it's just gotten way too far and I would never say that. I think I have always remained respective to that view. And the only reason why this matters is our world today. You know, all these, these, this critical race theory, this homosexuality, all these different issues that we're dealing with, these are causing all believers, even theologians, all around the world to go, what's going on? And they're like, wow, do I really believe what I believe? I mean, it's causing these people that are, are, you know, I mean, even James White, at first, he's he's fully embraced post-millennialism, but even James White at first is like, man, I'm even starting to question some of these things. Because it's really, really hard to see light at the end of this tunnel. But nah, that's, nah, nah, it's just a temporary defeat. And it just makes me think of what, what, what sort of confidence you have in the flesh. I have every confidence in the Holy Spirit as well, but I also have zero confidence in the flesh. The problem is, is we're filled with both. So, I wouldn't consider them not brothers, and I would never say that they weren't doing good. I think that that ministry has has done great work. Both of their ministries have done great work. But that's just slander. Stay away from that. Come on. And Service Christie, who has gone back and forth and tried to attack Justin Peters, John MacArthur, they've they've just tried to drag a lot of these people under the bus and bring up these just baseless, ridiculous accusations. And there's no truth to it. What are they talking about? They end up focusing on their personal lives and their presuppositions about things that they said rather than examining their teachings and, and pointing out, you know, any, anything that they may have said that they clarified, you know, nah, we don't want to, that wouldn't fit the agenda. So those are the things that you have to watch out for. Okay. It's, it's, it's no secret that, that these big mega churches and all this this prosperity gospel this kingdom now dominionism that we get that everything is hunky dory and everything's a blessing and go Jesus and uh, I'm just uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven you know like he he formed me I'm I'm gonna do good like anytime you hear something like that that's gonna be something that probably is not solid. Yeah, it's probably something that you want to stay away from. So it's not difficult. If you hear 
a teacher slandering baselessly and, and misrepresenting somebody purposely, not preaching truth, then, I mean, it's, it, it's clear. Hold, hold them accountable to what you read in Titus and First and Second Timothy. That's one thing that you can do for yourself. But then you still need to understand that you're still under them. And if you there's there's also a process that you go about if if they will not or refuse to change if they're not in in truth. I mean, look at the reasons why. Again, in first Titus, or I'm sorry, in Titus one, verse 10, for there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. That would be the Jews. They must be silent since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gang what they ought not to teach. Teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. That means that they're getting wealthy off of something that they should not teach. They're getting wealthy off of something that sounds good. And that's not true. Verse 12, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. So he, Paul is calling the people of Crete who won't listen to truth, right? Or who are doing these things. Liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Gosh, that's mean. My feelings are hurt. And he says in 13, this testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Well, thanks, Paul. Rebuke them sharply. What do you think that means? Because it probably is not going to sound nice to you not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Remember, this is an instruction This is an instruction to the teacher. So Paul is saying, hey, pastor, if you want to be a pastor, this is what you have to do. You have to teach truth. And people who don't teach truth, you have to rebuke them. Whoever contradicts truth, you correct them. Depending on whether or not that person knows what they're doing, is is dependent on how you go about it. 
Then he said, because there's many of these people, many empty talkers. So he's, even, he's warning teachers of other false teachers. And then telling the, and then telling the, the, the teacher to warn the flock. He's telling them to rebuke the flock sharply so that they can be strong in the faith. So that they won't devote themselves to this garbage. The whole point of this is, yes, you need a shepherd who is doing these things. Again, anybody that's going to be dogmatic or downright hateful is not a good discernment ministry. But there is plenty of good discernment ministries out there that you can listen to. And if you listen to them, this is when you will be able to I start identifying truth. But you always need to remain under a shepherd. There is an order in the church. Of course there is exceptions to every single rule. Of course. Some people have, well, I, well, I, well, I, I'm my church is filled with them. I know how it goes. I know. Of course there is. But that's not the majority. That's not what we're talking about here. I just got over saying that, you know, we're not going to be fair to one side or over the other. We have to be fair to, to both sides, but still have to stand firm on truth. Okay, but you need this because there is so much instruction and there is so much false teaching out there that you need to be discipled. Going and reading your Bible is dangerous if you're not shown the process, truth. As soon as you have an outline, as soon as you show that willingness to learn, this is where the Spirit does the rest. But this is what pulls you. It pulls you in. It, 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 it makes you ask these questions. This, these, are, these are the ways that you know. But it's a dangerous thing for a believer to think that they don't need help. It's even more dangerous to tell a believer to go and figure it out on their own. And tell them to be quiet about it because you might harm another weaker believer by spouting off and exposing truth. That might be the most idiotic statement I have ever heard a solid pastor make. It might be. I mean, it, it's, it's flat stupid. I would Peter to Paul him to his face right now. I tried. But what are you doing? I know 
what you're trying to say. You're wrong. You can't do that. We don't live in a time that that's even remotely okay, nor should we ever live in a time like that. But especially now, that's not being discerning at all. It's not being Christ-like at all. That's not your, your, to be Christ-like, you have to listen to him and understand what he said. So, no, Christ wasn't all about love. Again, that's the most biblically ignorant statement that I have ever heard in my life. Do you know how? I'm going to end it on this. But do you know how stupid you sound when you say something like that? Because we learn in the book of Genesis to all the way to the end of Revelation, just exactly who Jesus Christ is. And guess what? He's been there since day one. You know who that's speaking? Yes, it's the Father and the Son and the Spirit. But that Jesus is the one that's saying all those things in the Old Testament prophets. Go read Ezekiel 34. This is judgment on Israel's religious, political leaders for leading them down the wrong path. And this judgment's bad. Very, very bad. I mean, some of that Old Testament prophecy, even outside of Ezekiel and Ezekiel too, I mean, it's... Some of it's disgusting. I mean, the Lord literally talks about ejaculation and and being disgusted at false teaching and idolatry. What where's that Jesus? That's the same Jesus. Nothing has changed. For us, yes, we have the peace that surpasses anything. We have love. We have, it's so, it's, it's beautiful. But outside, it's a war zone that's trying to destroy the faith. Yes, you do need help through this. Again, it's not that you need somebody shoving things down your throat and being dogmatic about everything. And if this person person isn't pointing you towards the Bible, every time you go to them, then you know there's an issue. There will definitely be more on this conversation. It doesn't end here, but I'm going to cut it off now and I will be back soon.